0: Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there's always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2021 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978 807 4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Do you want to skate fast?
1: For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our Subscription Skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy to use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at lorastam.com. That's l a u r a s t a m m.com. You can learn to skate fast. Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's rink-wise podcast. The podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky.
2: Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcasts. I'm your host, Kirk Ludicky. Thank you for joining us. We've got a really good show today with Matt Plant and Devin Rask, who are running the Mount St. Charles Academy hockey program in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We're excited to have them, but before we get to our conversation, just a reminder to go to HockeyJournal.com, become a subscriber, have access to unique content on prep hockey, college hockey, pros, and all levels of hockey throughout New England. Our RinkWise podcast is free and downloadable at Apple, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, Our conversation with Matt Plant and Devin Rask. All right, welcome to the RinkWise podcast. This is Kirk Ludicky, and uh, with me today are the co-directors of the Rhode Island St. Ems at Mount St. Charles Academy hockey program, Matt Plant and Devin Rask. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Hey, yeah, it's great. To, it's great to have you here in in studio with us in in uh, great old Milton, Massachusetts. Uh, understand, you guys just uh, had practice and got in the car and and came up uh, from uh, Woonsocket.
3: Yeah, yeah, we uh, the eighteens. We went this uh, earlier this morning around eleven thirty, and and then Devin wrapped up the uh, his his practice around three p.m.
2: Yeah, well, that's dedication, gentlemen. I gotta I gotta hand it to you. You know, get right off the ice and into the car and 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 up to do the podcast but we do we do appreciate it before we get into your respective backgrounds uh let's talk a little bit about uh about mount st charles and and what you guys are are doing and 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 the kind of season that you're having because uh your teams are all just really highly competitive and they're having a lot of success and so uh for the listeners that might not be as familiar with what's going on can you kind of talk to them about the program and what you guys offer
3: Um, yeah, I mean, we try to, we put development at the forefront of, of what we're trying to do, um, and try to provide these guys with the best possible resources, both on the ice and off the ice, um, six to seven days a week. Um, and while kind of giving them that high school experience, um, and obviously the academic piece is, is vital to, to their development as well. Um, trying to generate as many opportunities as they can possibly get combining athletics with academics. But, you know, it's, it's being on the ice six to seven days a week. Um, we work, we train with Mike Macioni. We do our off-ice strength and conditioning with him twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Our four teams will, will do their separate – they'll lift with Mac separately as a team. Um, they get each four one-hour slots. Um, you know, our practices are built into the academic day throughout the days for, for most of our teams, our 14s, 16s, and 18s, and then our 15s will always practice right after school. Um, and then, you know, basically Monday through Friday we're playing or we're practicing. Some Fridays we'll have games, and on the weekends we're playing games, and we try to build our goalie sessions into Mondays and try to make Mondays optional days for, for our defensemen and our forwards um, just to kind of give them a mental, you know, a day away from the rink both mentally and physically, but they have the option to come down and skate in the goalie sessions uh, or do some things on their own, or we have a shooting area in the rink too that you know, a lot of guys will – Hang out there and shoot pucks in that shooting area. Um, so, I mean, we just, again, just try to provide them with the best possible resources to enhance their development and further their careers beyond Mount St. Charles.
1: So, it's a
2: hockey immersion, then, would you say, Devin?
4: Yeah, yeah, and it, it works out really well. We're obviously in a, in a great place at Mount St. Charles, all the history there uh, with the Blyle family and uh, all the former players that have come through and the alums and, um, it's it's worked out really well to Matt's point in providing the opportunities for these kids, and um, we've learned over the years and continue to learn. We've been doing this for a while in this area, and providing you know the academic piece, which Mount St. Charles Great Academic School, and then you got the boarding piece. We have a great director of res life, and then we've got a phenomenal staff that we've been working together for quite a while to pr- provide again an opportunity. Not just on the ice, but off the ice, and develop the whole person. So it's a it's it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's it's a it's a great setup for these kids.
1: So
2: both of you are hockey players, and you you went through it, and life was a lot different when you guys were coming up. And it's just amazing how the landscape of hockey has changed. So, uh, and and I mean, you just you think about mount saint charles and the storied history but it's it's a lot different your program's a lot different from what it was so before we get into that and, and, and the differences let's let's go back into your backgrounds a little bit and matt you know uh just talk to us about how you maybe got into hockey and and what you did uh playing coming up and, and who was instrumental in your in your development and, and allowing you to be able to to play division one college hockey
3: I think my dad was the most instrumental person into getting me into hockey. Um, you know, I used I, I started skating when I was about two and a <clears> half, <throat> half or so. I had the double runner skates, the double blades there, and then uh, we had some ponds nearby. My neighbor had a pond, and there were some other ponds in the area that we would. My dad would just take us to go skating with, and then skating kind of morphed into hockey. You know, I started playing. When I was about, f- I kind of started playing around when I was about four, and then I started playing. I guess, competitively or house league, you know, rec-wise, whatever, formally playing Mm -hmm. hockey, I guess is the best way to put it, around five years old. Um, You know, but I just kind of – my dad would go to my dad's men's league games and I just kind of would hang around the rink and just – as that kind of progressed, I just developed a a love for the game. Um, I I can remember when I was about probably eight years old – that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to play hockey. I wanted to be in hockey in some form. I wanted to be a hockey player, you know, when you're eight, you know, you dream of being a professional player. But um, the goal was always – I can remember the goal was always to try to play Division One college hockey. I, I had no interest in, in major junior. It was – you know, I, I'm from Troy, New York, so – or right outside of Troy. I grew up watching RPI, you know, and back then – RPI won a national championship right. in 84, 85, I believe it was. Adam Oates, yeah, Adam Oates, Darren Mike Pupa, Dard, just a wagon of a team. Yeah, um, and grew up watching that. You know, my dad and myself would we would go to those games religiously, and you know, got to see Joe Newendike when he played for Cornell, and got to see some other guys kind of come up through. So and Joey
2: Juno back in the Joey Juno,
3: yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just a who's who at RPI back then. You know, during the during the eighties there. So, um, but that's where I really kind of developed a love for the college game, you know, just seeing it firsthand and just idolizing these guys and going to Mike Odessa's hockey camps when I was younger and and getting to interact with these guys that were on the team, you know, in college at the time, um, you know, as instructors working his camp. So it was – it just kind of gradually grew from there and then, um, you know, played uh, for Troy and then switched over to Schenectady Youth Hockey Organization. I mean, we had, you know, some – Really good teams at the Pee Wee level and the Bantam level. Mike Lephart, you know, he played for BC, played some pro. Nicky Perillo played at Merrimack, was a captain there. Played, you know, played some pro in the East Coast League and the American Hockey League. And, you know, we had, I think we had probably six or seven guys on our Bantam team that ended up going to Division One off our Schenectady Youth Hockey Bantam team, which is kind of impressive
2: yeah.
3: for a Bantam, you know, just a, not really something like we have at Mount, just a regular youth program, you know, so that was – um, pretty neat to, to play with those guys and then from there you know just went on to play juniors and and um, and then ended up at Quinnipiac. I would say you know Dave Lackacher, who I played for in the Eastern Junior League back when it was an eight team league and we were the New England classics and then we trans you know, we trend transitioned to the to the Walpole stars but um, he was a guy that was definitely instrumental in in helping me learn the game and, and really understanding you know, how to be a complete player, you know, round the game out, be, you know, treat the defensive side of it, just like the offensive side of it. Um, you know, all situations, intangibles, details, you know, and helping me, you know, kind of get to the college level. And then, you know, playing for Rand Pecknold at Quinnipiac, he kind of took it another step further in terms of really zeroing in just zeroing in on just how important the intangibles and good habits and details and playing with structure and, and, you know, just how important all those things are, um, you know, it's more than just, you know, the, getting on the score sheet. There's there's way more ways to impact the game, and, you know, I really learned that playing for him.
2: Yeah. When I watch his kid, Tate... Yeah apple didn't fall far from the tree he's got some details in his game yeah yeah you can tell he's a coach's kid yeah, yeah right exactly De- oh, great um devin what about you i know you you were uh, you are from north of the border yeah and uh you, you came into college hockey at a time when that wasn't really the traditional path for guys in canada so tell us about your journey
4: yeah yeah you're exactly right uh obviously growing up in saskatchewan and canada everyone plays hockey so you, you got the my dad was building an outdoor rink for us, um, and so we'd be out there with my brothers every day and just uh, love for sport at a very young age. and so I still have to give credit to my parents and my my brothers for helping you know me push to who I am as a player and, and get better and have fun and, and to your point, I you know major juniors typically the path back then it was. Um, didn't know a lot about college. Uh, started playing junior hockey. Uh, Notre Dame Hounds and Yorkton Terriers and uh, a great coach in Wade Klippenstein who's now uh, with uh, works in uh, scouting with uh, Colorado Avalanche but he had played college and kind of helped me out in understanding that path and I was fortunate uh, to receive a scholarship to Providence College uh, although I didn't know anywhere anything about it or where it was other than it was close to Boston and and I, I tell you it was a phenomenal experience. Uh, Providence College was a, a phenomenal place and, and still is to this day and had great coaching there and Paul Pooley and David Berard and Rick Bennett, uh, you know, to help develop me as a player in person and, uh, just the love for a game and been very fortunate in this sport, uh, a lot of people I tell, you know, it's, it's great to play at, you know, and have goals to get to these levels. But at the end of the day, it's the friendships and people you meet Hockey's such a small world, you know, I was fortunate to play Bill Armstrong in the East coast league and, and have those connections and, and all the friends that have dealt, developed and relationships through the sport. It's, it's, it's amazing.
2: Right. Right. So when the playing career ends and, you know, for some of us it ends sooner than others. And, and, uh, at what point did you guys decide that uh, you wanted to get into coaching and that that was going to be the path to to coach and develop players and give back to the game in that regard?
3: It probably took me about eight months to realize that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I was, uh, you know, I graduated from Quinnipiac in two thousand and two, and then I always thought my dad was a cop, so I kind of just thought that that was kind of what I was the path that I was going to go on to is to become in some capacity, get into law enforcement. Um, and it just kind of didn't go that way. Um, and then uh, one of my one of my closest friends uh, that I graduated, he actually is the head coach at Bryant University now, Jared Grasso. He, as soon as we graduated from school, he was a grad assistant at Hofstra, and I was living down on Long Island at the time. I had friends from school down there, and I was just really trying to figure out my life. And um, you know, I just saw how much he just talked about. I just I just was hanging around with him, and I it, you could just see how much he loved. Coaching and like I think it got to be the fall of two thousand and two when this the next season started where I started to get the itch, and um you know fortunately, I stating you know two assistant coaches when I was at Quinnipiac were Kyle Wallach and Ben sire Ben sire's is now at Cornell Kyle is now the head coach at Albertus Magnus a Division three School, but Kyle's been you know at Vermont and Yale and holy cross and and Yukon and and obviously Quinnipiac, and um, you know, I, I stayed in touch with both those guys, and they kind of helped advise me on a path to get into coaching. I ended up starting with Kyle kind of helped me get on board as a volunteer assistant at the University of Connecticut in the fall of 2003, and from that connection with Bruce Marshall and Peter Belisle and Kyle Wallach, I got to know Chris Potter, and, um, and then Chris had just taken the head job at Wesleyan University a Division three school, and then the very next year, um, they kind of helped set set it up there where I could join Chris because Chris was looking for somebody to kind of get on the road and, and do more, take on a, a large role of the recruiting of it. And and I and that's what I needed to get into. You know, I think recruiting is such a large part of, um, especially in college hockey. That's a large part of what of, of what it of what it takes to be successful. You got to go out and get the players. And uh, that was something that I, de- the experience that I desperately needed at that time. So it was just a great fit for, for me to go with Chris for two years at Wesleyan and then end up back at uh, at UConn as a grad- graduate assistant with Glenn Stewart and Peter Belisle. And then you know, Bruce Marshall was still the head coach there at that time. So, um, you know, it was pretty quickly after, it was really when the next season started that it, you know, I just was like, you know, and, and just Jared's, my relationship with Jared Grasso and just that relationship and it just kind of guided me in that, in that direction. And then it was just, you know, once I kind of got in, I, I just got, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Yeah. Right.
4: Yeah. Um, for myself, uh, hockey has been all I've known and pretty much, uh, as soon as I was finished playing, jumped right into coaching and, uh, kind of similar pass with Matt. Um, Chris Potter gave me an opportunity at Wesleyan. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for, and, get my start in coaching, and then uh, eventually moved on to UConn, worked with Bruce Marshall, uh, again, similar with Matt, and uh, worked with uh, Joe Dume, who's a phenomenal coach, uh, very instrumental in, in my development as a person and coach as well. And, uh, you know, I just developed a passion for it. Like you said, it's all I've known, and, and from there, just uh, this, I knew I knew this is what I wanted to do.
2: Right. So you went from the college ranks and you, act, you – from there, how did it how did it work out that you guys ended up and I believe you went to to South Kent first. Is that is that correct?
4: Yeah, I, I went. Uh, <laughs> I was working. I went from UConn to Providence College, uh, where I was working with uh, Tim Army and David Berard. And um, from there, I went to South Kent, um, and uh, we started with the U sixteen team that first year and uh, that next year we were expanding. The the prep team was going to go towards uh, U18, and um, I I had a relationship with Matt and had known him through the hockey world for for a while, and I knew he is someone um, I'd love to have part of the the program and and what was going on at South Kent, and uh, I was going to do anything to get him there. Yeah,
3: it's kind of funny because... We have – Devin and I have kind of followed similar paths um, in our respective journeys as coaches because, like, I was at Wesleyan, and then I left Wesleyan to go to UConn. Devin steps in and takes my spot um, when I left, and then I think shortly after I left UConn, then Devin went to UConn, and then, you know, then Devin ended up at Providence College before taking the the director job at South Kent and transitioning that program. Um, And it was just one of those things at that time – you know, so from UConn, I went to Hebron Academy, and was at Hebron Academy for four years, and then I was I did it I did about a year and a half at uh, with the Indiana Ice and the USHL. I, I went with Kyle Wallach. Um, you know, we kind of joined forces again because uh, Kyle was the head coach at Indiana when Indiana had a USHL team at the time. You know, Devin was um, in his first year at South Kent, and he was you know obviously talking about how the the vision of the program and and kind of what the school wanted to do in transitioning from the traditional prep school model. And, you know, obviously he had a great group of U16 players that were going to move up, you know, to the U18 team. And um, they weren't necessarily excited from going from a 55, 60-game schedule to a 30-game schedule. So it made sense. The timing just made sense to go, you know, that we we ended up that first year that Devin and I were, to, were together at South Kent. We had a U14 non-national bound team. And then our 16 and 18 teams were national bound, but just having the relationship with Devin and ultimately came down to the fact that I just didn't want to disappoint him. <laughs> so he just kind of, he just kind of, you know, wore me down to saying yes. And I, and I, and I, and I kid when I say that, but, um, you know, it's been, uh, I don't regret it. I mean, it's, it's been unbelievable ever since, you know, we, we, we uh, came together and what he's done and, what we've been able to do together. And, and like he said, we have an unbelievable staff, you know, with, with, all our, with all our teams and all our coaching staff between our 14, 15, 16, and 18s. And we have a great support staff at the school. And, you know, it takes a village, and that's what we have. And, and uh, I've been very so thankful for, for the opportunity.
2: even saw your principal uh, tweeting about some games, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always good to have the, uh, the support of the administration, right? For sure. Um, what's interesting to me, is you talked about the the getting away from the prep model and it all comes down to games it comes down to games you know and in, in terms of the amount of games that you're playing and the opportunities for the players to to play top competition can you guys talk about the importance of that in the you know in terms of your model and and, and how you develop players to not only succeed at your level but prepare them to be successful for the coming
4: levels yeah i think in transitioning a lot of families and and going through this process and players are, you know, they want to play more games. It's more sports are more specialized at that high school level and, and also have a great academic uh, experience uh, as well. Right. And that's what we provide at Mount St. Charles. You can, you can get the hockey piece with, you know, a 50 plus game schedule, highly competitive um, without sacrificing the academic piece and getting a great academic education. And, uh, it just combines to, to work really well. And, and to Matt's point and to your point about the principal tweeting, the, having the the expertise on the school side to handle the school piece, having the expertise on the dorm side and then the hockey side, it, it, it all meshes well together. Um, and we've found in doing this for a while now, you, you can't kind of do it halfway in one area and, you know, just, have a good hockey piece. You've got to have everything together, and and that's what we have at Mount Saint Charles. And again, I mean, we're going to keep saying it with our staff. You know, um, coaches all the way through, and and, and Scott ganey has been a big part of that too. We we Matt and I brought him over South Kent, and um, he came over with us to Mount as well. So we, we've had a staff that's been together for a while. We yeah. trust each other. Um and and, and a the, staff
3: that's really good at what they do. You know, collectively as a whole. You look
4: sure. at John O'Connor and Frank O'Connor with that 14 team. I mean, um, that was we knew that was going to be the toughest stage for kids leaving from home, and what they've done is is phenomenal. There's no
3: it. feeder to that team either. Like I'm i you know I'm blessed coaching the 18s. I got most of the majority of Devon's guys move up. The majority of Scott's <clears throat> guys move up to Devon. The majority of Frank's guys move up to Scott but that team is there's no feeder to that U14 team. They got to b- basically go out and build a brand new team of 20 plus players every single year and what they've done in a short period of time has been nothing short of remarkable.
2: Yeah, that 07 crew is is something. Well, I mean, those
3: 06s they brought, you know, the, the 06s before them, I mean, right, it's yeah. just been a I mean, you talk about the four
2: the 14s and the 15s. I mean, they're 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 such a highly regarded team in the national rankings, and it doesn't happen by accident. What are some of the things like in terms of team building? I mean, you, you obviously you're, you're working hockey skills and you're playing top competition, uh, and 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 we'll we'll certainly get to that. But I mean, I imagine you you guys spend time doing team building things, and, and because you you're bringing in players from such maybe disparate backgrounds and people from all over, not just the United States but you've got Canadian players coming in, and so you have a challenge of having to to build that team cohesion right away, especially at the at the younger age. And so what are some of the things that you guys do to, to kind of build that from the ground up and, and get them gelling and together, uh, rowing in the same direction?
3: I think some of the things that we've done in the past, like last year we took the guys go-kart racing. Um, there's a place in Lincoln that we took them to. Um, You know, sometimes there'll be some bowling, um, bowling excursions. Um, You know, a lot of it too is just kind of subtle stuff within the teams. Like you know, we do, you know, we try to do everything together at the U eighteen level. I know the other teams too. Um, Just try to do everything together before games. We travel together. um, You know, we sit down. We have meals together before games. Um, You know, it's just some. You know, obviously there's the there's the fun stuff that we do, um, but there's also just the day to day stuff that we do with them too. That you know, gets all the guys together, everybody on the <coughs> same page. You know, just all doing the same the same thing, and you know, you know, one heart beating at the same you know at the same rate, so to speak. Um, you know, and I also think too, it you know with. The, the, the everybody that's in our program, coaches and players, we all have the same passion for the sport. We all have the same goals in mind. You know, the coaches want the same things that the players want, right? So, and when you've got a collection of kids that are from all over, you know, whether it's the country or you got some kids from from other countries, and they're living in a dorm together, um, and they're you know they're going to school together, they're playing hockey together, they're training together, they're they're doing everything together that just forms a bond in and of itself, just organically. You know, when guys are just, they're all on the same page, and, you know, we've been blessed. We've had a lot of great kids, just great human beings. Obviously great players, but great kids, great human beings and great families. And, um, you know, they, they 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 see the big picture, you know. So I think a lot of that, you know, just comes organically, and, and, and it's, just, it's just from the the environment that they're in. You know, and and, and and just being in the same boat and having the same goals and and uh, having the same desire and work ethic. Culture, culture, culture. That's
4: you know what we we talk about and bringing in to Matt's point. That um, yes, talented players are important, but it's the right type of player, the right type of kid, right type of family, and and that was you know uh, our goal from day one when we we came over to Mount Saint Charles was the. the Type of kids, you know, and Zach Aben, who's on uh, the U eighteen team now, is uh, he's been here uh, the his third year. Was one of the original U sixteen guys, and just um, phenomenal kids. You know, Ryan O'Connell's another one that was on that first team, and and that that's the culture piece. And everyone's coming in, and and they um, have the same goals and aspirations, and so it it creates a a fun environment. And then you've got the dorm side with. Uh, Chris Huber, who uh, previously was coaching, does a phenomenal job on the director of res life and, and um, not only, you know, uh, making sure the guys are, 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 are uh, coming together, but doing the right things and teaching them the right things um, and, and how to uh, give back to a community.
1: New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Catch the Sacred Heart University pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com.
0: Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. If you love college hockey and want an inside look at the game, get a copy of the book, Great Game, D1 College Hockey, People, Places, Perspectives. From the emotions of frozen fours to the atmosphere and classic venues, Bruce Haas has captured the passion that people have for the college game through interviews with players, coaches, officials, and fans. No other book captures the spirit of college hockey like this does. Great Game makes a great gift for the holidays for a college hockey fan. Score your copy of Great Game today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Atascabooks.com, or at your local bookstore.
2: What are some of the attributes you're looking for in your players? I mean, obviously, you said it; they they have to have the talent. But in this day and age, let's be honest, most of the players have to t- have the talent. They have access to, to to skills coaches and skating coaches, and so it really becomes you have to find the right guys that are going to you know fit within your vision and your program so what are some of those attributes that you seek out in players and and how do you how do you how do you tell in your process whether they're these guys are going to be good fits uh,
4: for me a couple things <clears throat> the desire to compete to win puck battles a guy that's going to go in and engage and and uh nine times out of ten he's going to come out of that corner with the puck um that that's that's a, a big piece obviously it's kind of going to share the type of character as a person too if they compete and work every shift and they're back checking and and doing all those little things and then the academic piece um you know if they're it it pretty much aligns with kids that are, are really good students and work hard at it on the ice they're they're hard working as well and then uh um you you combine that and put that in our environment to your point a lot of them are skilled already and then uh, now you've got 20 of those players together pushing each other
3: yeah i think the the competitiveness is probably the number one thing for me uh, and our and i think for all of us in our on our coaching staff is you know you got to have kids that want to compete because it is a grind it's a grind you know like that when you talk about what we do you know on the overview you know it sounds it sounds great. Right. But I mean, once you get into the day to day and you've been going now, you you get into early November and you've been going for three straight months and you haven't been home, uh, since August, late August, right. Since with school started, like it's a grind and you got to have guys that are motivated, that, that, that want to compete, that, that have drive, that have passion, that have the same level of passion and guys that have mental toughness because it's not easy. You know, it's, It's not easy for a lot of these kids being away from home and the sacrifices that they make. And it's not easy to, you know, you'd love to have 20 guys with Division I logos next to their names. But, you know, everybody's process is different. And that comes, some guys, it comes a little bit sooner than others. And some guys, it it might not come until after they leave our program. You know, so, and, and there's that, you know, it's tough sometimes for these kids. And we talk about it all the time as a program you'll control the controllables. You can't be worrying about what's going on around you. You got to just embrace your process and you know okay, the you know the guy across from you might have a division 1 commitment and you're sitting there wondering, "Well, how, what's he doing that what am I not doing that he's doing?" And you can't look at it that way. Everybody's process is different and you know, it's hard. It's hard to explain that to a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid that wants it so badly that is doing the things that he thinks he should be doing to 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 improve. And get there, and and there's a mental toughness is a huge piece because it's it, it is it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you know the guys that have the passion, the guys that have the competitiveness, the drive, the mental fortitude. You know those are the guys that um, you want to work with every day because you're gonna get you're you're gonna get better with those kids,
2: right? And so when you look at those players, and I've seen quite a few of your roster sheets, you know I've I've seen quite a few of your games this season there are a few with with those commitments next to their names so what what are the things that those guys are doing uh that have that have helped them get to where they are just in your experience is wow. it that competitiveness is it that it's, is it that just the ability to I mean, you always obviously have to produce, and you have to make plays. But right. what else do they have? Is it you know? Like I, I imagine the academics is a big piece. You look at the, the the types of commitments. You know, like not everyone can have a Dartmouth. You know, next to their name or a UMass, but there's different levels of you know. Not every college team is is looking for the same kind of player, right? And so, I imagine you have those discussions with the with the various college coaches when they when they talk to you.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Devin, t- I think spoke to this earlier in the in the podcast. Um, it, the greater your academics, the more opportunities you're going to have as a player. It's going to open up more more doors for you if you're a high level player and a high level student. Um, you know, when you can hopefully be recruited by any any program in the country, regardless of your grades. Um, and we've got some of those players that have come through our program for sure. I think, to your point too, Kirk, you know, th- these players have been extremely productive, and they've been extremely productive for an extended period of time. You know, you know, I look at Cam O'Neill, for example, and, and Micah Berger, who just committed to, to Miami. Like, those guys have been you know, mike is in our his first year in our program but he's been productive everywhere he's been you know cam's been a highly productive player you know for our u15 team our u16 team and now for our u8 our u18 team he's our leading scorer right now and mike is right behind him um so there is the the i think there is the production piece too the 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 sustaining that um but i also think you know you look at the the potential i think when players are are getting commitments at 15 16 17. Um, I think there's a potential um component that that, that coaches and schools are looking at too and I think you know, you look at Cam and like he in my opinion he shoots it like a pro as it is already. Um you look at a kid like Micah Berger, he's got a good hockey IQ, Jason Stefanik, great hockey IQ. Um it's
2: it's heavy. He's a heavy he's you know, I remember watching him when he was at the Anaheim junior ducks. Yeah. Just finishes his hits protects the puck cycle cycle yeah cam
3: cam is starting he's playing really heavy too and 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 uh you know cam does such a great job of having a good disruptive stick and and puck pursuit and you know and 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 all those things i think it's it's a lot of different things but i think you know they look at again i think it comes back to i think hockey sense plays a role in in that i think competitiveness plays a role in it i think um you know the product the sustained level of productivity plays a role in it. And I think potential plays a role in it too. Like you, you kind of, you have to kind of project a little bit as a scout and as a coach to the into the future. Like, what is this, what are the foundational uh, tools that this kid has right now? And, and kind of looking at what he is as a player. And, you know, a lot of it too is does this player know what his identity is as a player too? And, and, and being just embracing that and being that all the time. And, and, you know, that's part of it too. and, but also looking at, okay, well, where does this guy, where could he? this kid potentially fit in our lineup, you know, when he gets, you know, to be 19, 20, 21 years old. And I think, you know, that probably plays a
2: role in it too. Yeah. Devin, what do you think about the whole identity piece? Do you think a lot of players, young players, that's do you think that's something that the, a lot of them struggle with because maybe at lower levels they were the the, the star player and they didn't really – they weren't asked to do a whole lot. They just – all they know is, you know, how to score – or you know do you think that's that's a challenge for a lot of a lot of players coming especially when you're building a, a program where there's a lot of talent that's in there and you're all trying to kind of figure out what what you can do to, to help your team win games
4: yeah no question I know, a lot of the players that come into our program have been the best player on on their respective teams before and so now you're in an environment like that and what we try to do uh, as a staff is you, you try to you're developing each player right but you're also working with them and trying to, um, you know, see where what what level they can be three years down the road and, and what they're really good at. Because all teams, whether you look at pro, or, you know, NHL or college teams, you know, yes, they've got their top six forwards or their first line, but then you've got guys that, um, you know, are... are on your PK, or you got good defensive defenseman, or good defensive forward, or you're really good at face-offs, all those intangibles that can separate you from someone else, and so that's what we try to do as well as a staff with these players, and developing the whole game, but hey, this, uh, down the road, this is what you could be really good at at the next level, and having value in that, and to, to Matt's point, everyone's path is different, and I think that's probably the the biggest challenge is, is slowing the kids down a little bit. And, yes, some kids are committing early. But worry about yourself and, and your development, and you'll, you'll get to where you want to be.
3: That's the biggest challenge is getting guys to understand, that, again, embracing their process, right, and, and trusting, trusting the process because that's the biggest thing. Because, you know, I got a couple, we got a couple of U18 players right now that I, in my opinion, are going to be <clears throat> Division one college players. They're not committed right now. But and I think they're getting a little bit antsy about it, and it, and it's just like they just got to trust the process because I I the whole one hundred percent know if that if, if they do their part, it's going to happen for them at some point sooner than later. It's inevitable, and it's just but again, it's hard because you you know you see your friends and guys you played with and play, guys you played against. They're 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 getting committed, and and you're doing you, and you feel you're doing your part, and and you're wondering, okay, well, where's mine and. It's just like it's common. You just got to control the controllables. Yeah. Worry about what you can control, and and you know, I, I, Bob Emery, who Devin and I work with um, at the, um, the we used to do the New England um, development stuff for the development camps for the national festivals, and Bobby Emery was one of the guys that was one of the directors of it, and he, I remember he made a comment and. It's so true. Some guys like vanilla, and some guys like chocolate. And trying to figure out why that is, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And it's just this is how it is. And it's control the controllables. Focus on what you can control. Embrace and trust your process, and you will get there at some point. You will get there. And, and and enjoy the
4: time you have right now. Right? Like this, you're you're at high school. Um, you're you're playing on some good teams, and you're with all your buddies. Because pretty soon you're going to be out of high school, and it's going to be playing at. Uh, a level that's a business now and and uh, hey I'm not saying it's not fun at the next levels but it's a little bit easier right now at the high school age and enjoy that time enjoy that, that you know with your buddies and playing hockey and, and and not rush too far ahead because you see it at the next levels too right then you get to college and, and guys are oh, I want to get to the NHL and right. uh, everyone wants to get to that next step first and And don't miss out on on enjoying that opportunity you have right now.
2: How much of it do you think is a society? I mean, we look at, I mean, we we live in a fast food type of mentality where everyone can... Social media. Social media, yeah. I mean, you're... And I remember in the old days, it seemed like the way you measured status, if you were, you know, if you were at least my parents, you know, it was how big's your house and how many cars do you have. Now it's, say, if you've got kids in hockey, how many, you know, are they committed? And, you know, and so how much do you think that plays in just, and and, and how, how much do you have to kind of battle that as coaches, you know, to keep that from becoming a distraction?
3: Yeah, I think social media is a huge in this day and age. I think social because there's just it's just instant access, right? And it's guys have it on their phones, and you know, it's just it's it's just kind of the way it is now in society. And and I think social media definitely plays a role in putting a lot of pressure on kids and families, and and obviously with us, it's trying to get. Um, it just it's it's hard. Like you, you can't control. I mean, you're not going to keep kids from their phones right i mean and they're gonna go on twitter and they're gonna go on instagram and whatever else and 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 see what what the next up and coming thing is but um you know again it's just trying
2: to we just do the best we can with it and try and reinforce that message so the communication aspect talk about that like just your personal philosophies about you know and and i we had a we had someone on the podcast was talking about you know, coaches were old. Some of their early coaches were old school. and They didn't really communicate. They didn't talk to them about how they were doing and, you know, what they can do to improve or what they can do to have a bigger role on the team. So how important is that communication process with your players?
4: Uh, It's it's very important. And uh, I think what a lot, you know, people might not realize um, from the outside is we're on the ice six days a week with these guys, and we're around them all the time. And so you're constantly communicating with your players, um, in practice, um, you know, on the bus, uh, all the time and we're, we're showing film and, and breaking down stuff for each player, um, to help them right along that way. So it, it's very important. And then, uh, yeah, the game, the way it's, it's changed a lot from, you know, some of the coaches I might've had and um but every player is different too and how they want to be coached or pushed too and and trying to figure that out as well as a coach and um you know what what they need to help motivate them and push them because ultimately we're here to get the best out of them right that that's what that's what our jobs are and so we're trying to figure that out and and you're managing 20-22 players and you know not everyone's going to be happy um and not everyone's you know, going to be happy with the coach every day, you know, with a kid that's on the second power play, wants to be on the first power play and, and all those things. But ultimately, we want the best for each individual player, and and that's what we're trying to bring out as a program.
2: Yeah, and, and roles, right? You know, know what your role is, embrace your role.
3: Yeah, and I think our, what our staff does a really good job, to Devin's point, you know, we do a lot of video with our players on a weekly basis. I think we articulate – video is such a great – teaching tool, Devin and I joke all the time, well, we don't joke, we actually legitimately hate video, but it's such a great, because it's so time consuming, it's time consuming but it I is such a great mean. teaching tool that it, it it's, you know, it's it's a great resource for player. I think everybody can be, is a visual learner, right? You, you see it, and we've got a great staff that can articulate what they're showing to really hopefully break it down for these guys to understand, okay, this is why we want to do it, and here's the results as to why we want to do th- things the way that we want to do it but yeah communication is such a critical i mean in anything right it's just a critical component of life and we try to we try to do our best with that and you know and you know it is changed and i think one thing that we do a great job of too as a coaching staff is we we have we've been able to i know me i've had to adjust with the way that i've done things 10 15 years ago and and i think you know i think all of us have as a staff um have been able to to adjust with the you have to, right? I mean you've gotta be willing to adapt. We want our players to adapt and adjust. Well we as coaches have to do the same thing.
2: So as a learning organization, which is what you are, that's what you're which what you're articulating, what are some of the things that you've really picked up? since you started doing this and playing the, the full seasons and, and going up against the various programs from around the country. What are what are some, some are there some innovative things that you kind of are doing that you're excited about that are helping you guys translate what you're doing in practices into real results, you know, at the end of of, of games in terms of your wins loss record.
4: I, I think Matt touched on it and having you know, we've been doing this a while and having the excellence around you you know, uh, again, we touched on on the academic side and on on the dorm side, but then on the hockey side from, you know, Toby O'Brien uh, with over-speed hockey comes and right. runs skills on Wednesdays. You know, Mike Macchione running uh, the lifts and Pete Cronin running the goalie session. So you have all those expertise in those areas. It's, it's hard not to get better in that environment, definitely.
2: Yeah. Now, for parents out there, and again, you're, you deal with your your parents, the, the the your your own players' parents. But for parents of players that that might have some players that have the talent and are really interested in your program, uh, and maybe they're a few years younger, but they're they're building, they're looking at what you guys are doing in Woonsocket, and they're saying, yeah, that might be something I would be interested in. What would you what would you tell them, are the things they need to start doing now to be prepared for for maybe meeting that challenge, and and maybe one day putting that, that M on and, and going out and being part of that legacy that you guys are building? Um, you know, it's it's hard
3: to say they need the special. I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about kids that are maybe like 11, 12, like right. in that range. Yeah. Like I think specializing at that age is a little bit early. I think it gets to a point when you get to, you know, maybe your freshman, sophomore year of high school, then it's like, okay, you know, this is something that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the nice thing for our kids is they can, I, I guess in a roundabout way, my point is, is like I think continuing to do, you know, sports, you know, and I, I think like I was a four-sport athlete growing up. I, I played soccer, football, baseball, and hockey, and then it got to eventually just got to be football, hockey, and baseball. Um, you know, and I think those are, it, it. you know, it promotes athleticism, right? And I think – you know, obviously, we talk about training and and doing. I, I think on ice, like for younger kids, I don't think you're you're doing necessarily weight training right away because I mean, obviously, you got to worry about the growth plates and that sort of thing. And you know, the thing that I love about Macioni is he doesn't work the 14s out the same way he does the 18s. Right? He takes all that into account and and designs workouts specific to. You know, age group and, and where just where kids are at. And he's just, he's just so in tune with that and does a phenomenal probably, job with probably it. Body types as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think for those kids that are starting to seriously think about something like this that are maybe a year or two away, it's important to show up and, and, have, and be hungry every game. I mean, we're playing, you know, 60 to 65 games a year. You know, you you want to be you want to show up hungry and have that level of desire to want to play and compete every single day that you're you're getting on the ice for games and and in practice too. And it's you know I think doing other things can help with that. You know I think playing hockey, you know, but but also doing other sports, you know, to kind of because it a promotes athleticism and it b you know it, it it changes your mindset and it shifts it's it's not the same old thing and it and it you know from a mental standpoint you know. Um, Because at some point you're going to figure it out, right, what you want to do, and then it's, okay, then you got to ask yourself, like, with a program like ours, like, it's a serious level of commitment. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice with our program. Is this something that I am ready for? Is this something that I'm willing to do? Because, you know, for us, like, we want guys, we want guys that want to get to the highest level they possibly can. Those are the guys we're seeking in our program and want to work with and, and, and help, you know, get to the next level. That's how we are as coaches. Like, we... We have we're passionate about this game. We wanna you know, we wanna um help kids accomplish, you know, realize and accomplish their dreams and goals as individual players, but there's a serious level of sacrifice and commitment with that and, and you know, that's something that you've you've gotta you've gotta have and be and be committed to as as a player and, and ask yourself if you know, do your research, you know, be, get educated on 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 what all this entails, and and then ask yourself, is this something that I'm all in on? Because that you have to be.
2: I'm curious about some of the favorite memories that you've had working with Guy, and you you know whether you want to name names, no pressure, uh, or generalize. But you know, you you've touched so many kids, and you've been around so many players. There've got to be some some out there, some some recollections you have that have just really reinforce to you that what you're doing is matters it's meaningful and you're helping guys and and obviously when they can advance to the next level that's the ultimate validation but you know are there some you know some some recollections you have that you can share with the listeners that that really kind of have really validated your your the enjoyment of your profession and the work you do with these kids
4: yeah i think you know, there's nothing better than seeing some of the former players you've had have success at the next levels, and I go back to my days at South Kent and Chase Prisky being one of the first players we had to the program, and, you know, he's that was probably 10, 12 years ago, and we still stay in touch, and, you know, uh, he follows up, and we check in, and, and there's seeing him have success and play his first NHL game this year, That that's phenomenal, you know, and... And there's so many of those players. You know, Matt Creamer was one of my, you know, uh, guys at South Kent, and now he's around our staff, and uh, his father works with us. And like I said, the sport's an awesome sport. But seeing these guys have success, and not just NHL or Division One, but Division three and, and uh, getting a great experience out of that, for me, is, you know, phenomenal. It's awesome to start to see some more of our guys that we coach play at the NHL level, um, but for me... That's rewarding, but also what's rewarding is you know, getting a text from a former player, just checking in, hey, how you doing, and, and, and maintaining those relationships. Because you're developing the whole person, and you yeah. want to see them have success. In Make life. them winners at life, right?
2: Yep. You know, yeah. Hockey ends for everyone, yeah. so what are you going to yeah. do when, when hockey ends like, for you as a player? You
3: know? Yeah, I mean, without question, it's the relationships, right? It's just staying in <clears throat> touch with these guys, you know, whether they're still in hockey or not. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's such a grind. That, you know, we it's, it becomes a brotherhood. It, it, to Devin's point, it's about culture and it's about, I mean, as cliched as it sounds, I mean, it is, it's a brotherhood. I mean, you're, you're going, you're going to battle with these guys. Some of these guys, you know, for more than a year, for two years, you know, um, and you, you, you build a strong relationship because it's, I mean, these are the formative years of development, not just in hockey, but just in life, you know, and, and when you're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old and, it really is the relationships that you build. And and to this day, like, I, you know, I'll still stay in touch with guys. I had a Zoom call when, you know, COVID was at its tight. I had a Zoom call with a bunch of guys I coached at Hebron. You know, this was back in, like, 2007 to 2011. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's just, it's all about the relationships. You can't, I, I don't know if I can put it into words, but it's just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, as, you know, former military, I can certainly, you know, identify with that. You, you go through these things and these... These struggles, these battles, and you know you you don't always achieve your your ultimate objective, but you come through it, you survive it, and you you're linked, you know, for the rest of your days. You know, you'll always yeah. have that that brotherhood, right?
3: Well, at the end of the day, too, it's it's yeah, you want to see your guys have success in hockey, but at the end of the day, you you just want ultimately you want to see them have success in life, right? And that's the most important thing, because hockey's going to end at some point, and you know, I mean you well you know as well as as anyone like sports there's so many connections to life in general with with athletics that um you know that's you know that's just that's the that's that, again that's the best part of it is just seeing these guys and staying in touch with these guys that you coached maybe years ago you know being successful right and that's the part that lines
4: up with the school with Mount St. Charles Academy you know with when when we met with Alan Tenrero, the president, and his vision and, and what what he wanted, you know, what was all similarities and, you know, talking with Brian Barrard and uh, Boucher and people Lyle and Matt Jarrett and seeing, you know, we aligned really well because their vision was what on the school and as a whole was what we wanted as a hockey program too. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for Matt too that we're grateful to be here and grateful for that opportunity from them to to be where we are right now. Yeah, 100.
2: percent Yeah. So, what's next for you guys? Um, so the fall the fall schedule is in the rear view. We had the prep hockey conference. That was a you guys hosted that event. Great event. Uh, some really good hockey. Uh, really good re- weekend for your for your teams. Um, I I gotta tell you I I mean it's not you you got you guys aren't the coaches but I really enjoy watching that that 14 team and They've got some they've got some yeah. players yeah, oh yeah. They, they, they came to play that weekend that oh, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but but that prep hockey conference was was a really nice event. Um, so what's next for you guys just in terms of the program this year and, and what you're working towards in a- in April?
3: Well we have uh, this upcoming weekend we have our 15 16s and 18s we have our own holiday tournament um, So we have uh, you know at the 18 level we've got a Colorado Colorado's coming in at all three age groups. Um, Windy City's coming in at all three age groups. Ohio's coming in. They're pretty
2: highly, the 18 team is pretty highly
3: ranked. Caesars is coming in at 16. Yeah, and then Mm -hmm. we've got, uh, on the eastern side, we've got us, Maine, South Kent. Um, And so that'll be December 10th through the the 12th here this upcoming week, and we've got that event, and then we'll we'll go on break. For Christmas, we come back. Um, The 18s will have the True Cup. In, uh, in Salem, New Hampshire, the 7th through the 9th of January. Devin's hosting Culver, correct, the 16s? Yeah. Um, and we'll have some – we still have some Northeast Pack events for all four of our, our teams. Our 14s, um, I believe, are going out to Pittsburgh and New Jersey when we get back from uh, the Christmas break. I know the 15s, 16s, and 18s, we go out to Rochester, and then we have we'll, we all have the same playoff weekend in uh february um and then for the 18s there'll be the phc playoffs at shattuck st mary's february 25th to the 27th we all have regionals the second weekend in march um and then hopefully we all have nationals again that's kind of the goal here that's the goal right yeah that's
2: the goal
4: one more weekend here and then we're into christmas break the kids will go to break so the silver speed hockey tournament that toby o'brien and his group put on will be a Good way to head into winter break. There'll
2: be a lot of lot of eyes there, and at the historic Adelard yeah. Arena. And s-
3: we're, we're we're in conjunction with Providence College too. There'll be right. games there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Toby. Uh, I mean Toby did an unbelievable job putting this thing together, and and, and you know, just I mean, his vision really came to fruition, and, and having kind of like an East, kind of like the PHC thing, right? You know, an East versus West type of a of a tournament. And, you know, he he did a lot of the legwork in, in, in putting all this together and, and getting in contact with these teams and, and really making this happen. And, um, you know, the, kind of the timing of it too with it kind of leading into the prep school holiday tournament week, um, the timing of it, it I think is good and the location is good, and I think the field of teams is
2: outstanding. So it should be another pretty exciting event i agree and it's you know, we just got to take a moment to recognize all the people behind the scenes that that do the work to make it happen you, know, you can't we can't have these events without the people running the running the clocks and doing all the you know getting all, everything ready to go and and uh driving the zam and you've got your you've got your rink announcer there that uh is always yeah. there to pam, call the pam.
3: pam page oh yeah yeah gotta give a
2: shout out to pam she's unbelievable yeah give she's pam a shout out. Yeah. but
4: that to your point that's with us that's with the culture and everything, it's not just about the players. It's that environment. And we have a phenomenal rink staff, you know, Matt
3: Campanelli, Tim Fuller, like those guys do a phenomenal job. And all
4: those pieces matter
2: and all those pieces matter. Great. Great. Well, you know what we, it's amazing, but we're, we're running up against an hour here that we've been, been doing this and you've got work to do and uh, you know, get back to developing and, and continuing to grind and, and build Winning people, right? Not just winning players, but winning people. And uh, Rhode Island Saint M's at Mount Saint Charles Academy. Just, uh, just to close it out. Um, you know, I, I thank you guys for, for coming on. And and uh, if there is, uh, if there is anything you you are working on in terms of, um. You know, future future initiatives or things to raise the the bar for your program. You know, we would certainly be interested in having you guys back on at some point to, to to give us an update and see you know what the next phase of growth looks like in your program.
3: Might, yeah, well, we greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah,
2: awesome. Thanks for having us. We hope you enjoyed our conversation in studio with Matt Plant and Devin Rask. It was great having them. They shared some great insights, and we look forward to having you join us for our next episode. Until then, we'll see you at the rink.
1: Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal, and subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at HockeyJournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise is a Siemens Media podcast.